And so you want me to guarantee your results? Mm-hmm. No way. I, I don't know. Will you have to knock on the door to get you off the couch? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, I, I can guarantee you what I deliver, but I can't guarantee what you'll do with what I deliver. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. I've got Anne Siege here. She's a CEO at e-commerce business school. Anne, along with her family, has generated over 20 million in online sales. She's a mompreneur, online serial entrepreneur, and Amazon power seller. She's generated 4 million in sales with her first ebook in 2004, serviced over 9,000 students, and has done 50 live events. Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you. If I may, I'd like to clarify a little bit there. Of course. So I'm not the Amazon expert. What I am is a marketer. And so I build the sales funnels, build the teams, all of that. I used to have a training company where we taught online sales funnels to a particular audience, shifted into Amazon training through a whole different interesting back end and all or backstory and all that kind of stuff. So just mm-hmm. so people are clear, my thing is marketing. And sales, I love it. I grew up with it. That, that's kind of my life. Awesome. Well, so one of my favorite titles in there, which is a lot of titles, you've got a lot of experience. So I would definitely want to dive into all that. But one of my favorite ones is mompreneur. Can you walk mm-hmm. me through that a little bit? Well, I have to admit, I don't associate myself so much with that term, but I'm more than happy to do so. Yeah. Um, basically, um, my husband and I have had a number of different businesses over the years. Uh-huh. Our married lives. We're coming up on 40 year anniversary this year. But um, so we had done real estate investment. We had a windshield replacement business. And then, and, and throughout all those years, I did direct sales. So raising kids, very entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. And I have no problem bouncing a few balls on the side, meaning endeavors and whatnot. So yeah, in in the mompreneur scope, yes, there was a season of that, but my boys are long since raised and grown. But I will say out of that, my eldest son did become my business partner and we mm-hmm. were partners for 10 years. So as a mompreneur that was able to actually demonstrate and live entrepreneurship while raising my sons, they've all come to work in my business for me. Uh, my youngest son is our video full-time content manager and videographer. And then my eldest son actually took a six-month hiatus and come back, came back this past August. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all to say, um, it is really true what they say, that women can do a lot of things simultaneously. And we tend to have kind of some natural managerial skills. And I don't mean that carte blanche, but so I can take on quite a lot and, mm-hmm. uh, so that's what I did is um, I wanted to get my husband home at this, as the story goes back in 2004. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so your camera thing is interesting, just saying. Um, so in any case, uh, sorry, kind of thrilled, All right. doing little zigzags and having fun stuff there. Um, so yeah, really the story of the mompreneur. So, okay, now that that little preface there, Basically, I do not like the mindset of kids getting handouts. Uh, Basically, it was, 
Oh, so you want what? What is it that you want? Okay, great. Let's find a way for you to earn that. And so um, I'll just use that as an example. When I did Avon, um, so this is a younger generation. I'm going to gather primarily your audience, but um, there's a company called Avon and they did direct sales and, and still do. And so my young sons would go with me. So we would do these door knobbers which you just hang these plastic bags. This is like in the old, do you remember the world, the physical world where you actually did these kind of yeah. things? Yeah, that world. Well, all of my organizations, all of my sales teams uh, are built on door-to-door -door, or even like B2B, it's been door-to-door. -door. You know what I'm door -door saying? Door-to-door is the best. And that that's what I started with. And there is no replacing that because you gotta be a ballsy, gutsy, whatever you wanna call it. <laughs> that you don't get to run and hide behind your screen. No, you're gonna knock on the door. They're going to peer through and go, oh, Fred, do we really want to answer that? And the whole yeah. little thing that unfolds. So anyways, um, so I did that. But I'll just say, so if they needed something, I'll even go so far as to say, when they all just needed braces, I said, do you, you want braces? He said, yeah. And I said, okay, great. We'll find a way to earn money to pay for those braces. I so it. I basically, as a quote unquote mompreneur, my philosophy was always to let them know if you want something, you got to go out and get it. That's how the real world works. Not mm -hmm. have mommy and daddy hand out. It's not like we didn't give them gifts and this kind of stuff. But hey, it looks like you can, you're able bodied. I think you can work. And personally, I think we withhold giving responsibility to children mm -hmm. and we treat them like babies nigh into, you know, through high school. And it's like, no, they're actually much more capable than we give them credit for. So the first hire I had was my youngest son when he was in seventh grade. And I homeschooled for 12 years. So I get to be the principal and decide what was important in those business. Fantastic. So, yeah. So at David, I said, because it was basically a low value activity. As you try you sort through your high value and low value, it was mm -hmm. my lead processing. And at that time, we were sending out a, a collateral marketing piece, which was a um, I'm trying to remember, no, by that time we we're at CDs. Yeah, I think we were at CDs by this time, <laughs> <laughs> not cassette tapes. So your group probably never dealt with the cassette tapes, but anyways, so I you, did. Know, you did I'm cassette tapes? 37. I had cassette tapes. I remember okay. I had a Michael Jackson cassette tape. Yeah. Okay. You're one year younger <laughs> than my eldest son, by the way. <laughs> so nice. in any case, um, so I said, hey, David, you know, I'd like to hire you for this position. So I was going to pay him because it was valuable work. Mm -hmm. And then he, I trained him up, boom, lickety split. He'd learned to do it much faster and more proficiently than me. Here, I just approved one of his, or one of our content pieces for an upcoming webinar next week for his, the, uh, it was that outro that I said, the CTA, that's not quite right. Anyway, so here he went from in seventh grade processing my leads by the mailer, you know, just the print out the mm -hmm. letter, do do do, and all that kind of thing. And now he's he does all the video creatives and whatnot. So um, basically, it was that I gave them a lot of responsibility. I don't want to raise babies, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to raise them so they can learn fast. So my son became the top affiliate marketer by age twenty or so for Get Response, um, Best Western, Walmart. It was through Google AdWords. Wow. And basically, so I got exposed to Robert Kiyosaki and I said, okay, you should read every book this guy has written. And then he started to do businesses. And I said, you know what? I don't care if you succeed or not. That's not, I'm look that's not what I'm concerned about. It's what you're going to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And so basically I gave him the freedom to try a lot of things in high school. Good time to do it. And yeah. then we partnered up officially when he was 21. 
I had gone on to learn direct sales online and he was still, he was studying Gary Halbert and, and top copywriters and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then he had a really bad motorcycle accident. He had come in and move with us because he was a terrible road rash and whatnot. And then I said, you know, you should really think about coming to work with me. And he said, I'll think about that. And then he said, yeah. And so that was uh, 2000, uh, 2005. It was that summer. Mm -hmm. Wiped out July 19th, I think it was. So anyway, so that accident led to him. Then subsequently, we joined forces as a mom and son team. So uh, I guess you are getting a bigger mompreneur story here. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And there's a ton of alignment there because, you know, my wife, uh, she's been the wife of an entrepreneur for 12 years uh, before this past year. So she was a, a school teacher on and off. She stayed home with the kids often because my business afforded us to do that. But just this year, because of everything that's been going on in the education system, oh, yeah. she decided to open up her own tutoring business. Oh, you know, good she, for her. She has a physical location with a classroom and she's got yeah. clients coming in and doing and their uh, homeschool parents that come yes. in for kind of that extra, you know, if they're having issues with math or having issues with reading, yes. kind of, she kind of gives them that extra uh, push that they need in order to complete their studies. Yeah. Congratulations and, uh, for your wife for that. Yeah. She's crushing it. She's crushing it. So there's a lot of alignment there in the sense that whenever our kids, our kids want something, we definitely make them work for it. Now yeah. I haven't integrated them into the business yet, which oh. my daughter has shown a lot of interest and my son's all about, you know, he's doing plays and he's being an oh. actor and he's being a creative, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh -huh. But my daughter's already shown yeah. interest. So I think oh. it's the right time to start incorporating her into it. I just, I was worried that, you know, if I brought them in too young, you know what I mean? That I would be influencing oh. them rather than having them come to me. Oh. And that's kind of been the strategy oh. so far, but I'm like, you know what? There's no reason they can't come in and earn money, you know, it's <laughs> like any other job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get where you're coming from. And by the way, so my mom did tutoring mm -hmm. all through the summer months. So I, you know, grew up we had this porch and kids were getting dropped off all throughout the day and my mom would tutor the kids out on the porch and that's where i learned my educational philosophy my mom never believed in that child is slow she would never read the notes from the previous school teacher uh -huh. of the previous you know she didn't want to read oh so and so is thus and thus and this and that and she didn't want exactly to come in with these preconceived notions and the the, that's a whole nother topic. The school systems mm -hmm. are so incredibly broken. Mm -hmm. And that's why I homeschooled and my parents cheered me on. They're both former teachers and they're like, yeah, this is a long time ago. Yeah. And it was like, no, I'm confident in what I want my kids to grow up and learn and know. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not dependent on some school system. It's a system. That's their system. Right. I'll decide on the system I and, and what I deem to be important instead of that system dictating no, thank you. So I'm kind of, that's my parents raised me with that kind of mindset. Um, you, were, you were about 20 years ahead of your time because everybody's in that mindset now, you know? <laughs> oh, well, that was because of my dad and his, his philosophy. He was, uh -huh. there was a home filled with a lot of, you know, education, education and philosophy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So with the kids, yeah, it's just like, I want them to learn if you want something, you got to go get it. And mm -hmm. I can help do that. Here's a way that you can earn some money. But yeah, you, kids are smart. So on that note with our Amazon people, I, I my basic theme is that we help strengthen the family economy. 
And I I'll love say, that. I always want to find out what the kids, uh, how many kids they have. And they might be four. And I'm like, oh, great. Super. They're going to be able to help you. And they're probably thinking, what? Yeah. It's like, yeah, they can. So I have many, many, many stories of families who have brought their kids in because it's what I did. It was natural. I love it was natural that. for me to get the kids to do the work. No, that's fantastic because, I mean, most of us now understand, okay, the the different tax laws that are in place that we can pay our kids every year. And so it's like, you know, right now I pay my kids for modeling and some administrative tasks, right? Uh, modeling is the easiest one because they're all over my Instagram, my Facebook, and that's oh. where leads come in. And so um, you're able to pay them. I think it's like up to like 55, 15,500 a year now and it's tax-free, right? That's right. That's yeah. a lot of bucks. <laughs> yeah. And so I got three kids. <laughs> oh, do the math and you're looking good. Yeah, exactly. Tax-free, no FICA. <laughs> okay. So when you first got into, um, well, what I read is that your first four months taking that leap into, I guess it was working from home at the time and you, you and your husband had already run some businesses and everything, but this was kind of like a solo venture into entrepreneurship. And you went from 2K to 90K in four months. Is that correct? Yeah, that was actually by that point, my son had, um, you know, I solicited his help because mm -hmm. I could see that I was capped out. I was dependent on my quote unquote uplines leads okay. and I was raring to go. I wanted more. And so I'm like, hey, you know, let's partner up. Because mm -hmm. I brought some certain skill sets to the table that I had learned. I mean, we complemented each other perfectly. Mm -hmm. So basically what happened is we first, you know, in business, it's a series of leapfrogging processes. Mm -hmm. When you have an eye towards what you can leverage that's already existing. Um, and so this particular sales company had a training piece. It had a booklet. And I think, again, I think they were CDs by that time. Um, mm -hmm. And we thought, heck, we asked the owner, they weren't a really huge company and said, Hey, can we sell that? So we wrote a sales page and then he was good at Google AdWords. So mm -hmm. that's what that's referring to is when wow. we propositioned them because that was our lead magnet back then it was Mark. I mean, it could have been a ebook mm -hmm. thing, but at that time that's, that was ready made. So, we were a factory, basically, our basement. Then I had the middle son was doing shipping. I mean, that's when we, we I told my husband, because what happened is, so a little backstory about the windshield business is a new law came out in the state of Minnesota and it wiped out all the little mom and pops. Mm -hmm. So then he's doing all these crazy odd jobs. But it was when we started to do the marketing of this other company's material that's when we went to 2,000 and 90,000. It first started with us leveraging someone else's stuff. We didn't have to make right. the thing. We were, we were the marketers of yeah, the thing. Yeah, Yeah. And yeah. we made a, a good profit on that the, through the lead magnet, so to speak. And then we also, let's see, we were selling it and at a profit, of course. Um, but then that was became my leads to prospect and bring into my, my gig. So I was okay. monetizing, you know, back then it was, this is a little more innovative. Like now this is very commonplace. Right. Um, but so we were monetizing it by selling this, this company's training material. Then that was the leads that mm -hmm. were basically, they're like, yeah, I was looking for an expert. Can I enroll with you? And they would be jumping out of their other direct sales companies to uh -huh. join me because 
well, for one, I had all these leads. And so I had this whole organization that I was funneling leads to that were highly qualified. As you know, anyone who puts down money up front, yeah. I'm trying to remember, it was maybe a 67. I don't remember the exact price point. But so that's what we did. And then my son says, you know, mom, here's what we could do. We could create our own lead magnet. And then we could wait, make, you know, have a much higher ROAS. And then we could really crush it. I'm like, let's do it. So that was the birth of the Renegade Network Marketer, which I have a little thing up on the wall, that little thing up there on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's the flow chart of our funnel. That was way back in 2007. We sold 4 million of that ebook. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, so it was really cool that we did it within our family ecosystem. Uh-huh. So for example, when he was an affiliate for like GetResponse and these different companies, back then is then he would run out of money he had to pause his ads and then we would help with help to offset that because he's like if i could just keep the ads going he was right. learning the whole science of it and yeah. with that you had to wait for your affiliate payout mm-hmm. so when we created our affiliate program it was the first of its kind in our niche i don't know about other niches mm-hmm. And anyways, and it was basically that they could sign up for a bunch of affiliate programs underneath us. And when we sent out an email, we would put in their affiliate code, like Perry Marshall's book. Um, This is so long ago, but you know who Perry Marshall is, right? I've heard his name before. I don't know these though. He was the guru of Google AdWords and it was called, I don't remember the name, but anyways, and then Aweber and, you know, so they could sign up for all these affiliate programs that were essentially people were starting to learn online marketing for the very first time. Okay. Well, as you know, there's a whole stack of stuff to do that. So mm-hmm. basically we would send out our emails and as they generated leads and they would earn a profit. So it was like the most ideal affiliate marketing program that yeah. was extremely affiliate friendly because my son had been an affiliate. So he knew all the pitfalls and then we come mm-hmm. up, came up with a plan to remedy all those. Well, that's fantastic because, you know, you've been in the business for a while now. And a lot of the things I'm hearing you walk through is the, you know, the, the pioneers of these type of programs or funnels or marketing in general, but your business now you're still on the precipice of everything that's happening in marketing. Right. So tell me about your business now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So this is about my 18th year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we transitioned in e-commerce, which was a really, really good thing because basically what was happening is we were promoting direct sales, AKA network marketing, mm-hmm. and every advertising platform hates that niche right. and they'll shut you down, shut you down, shut you down. So this has been a beautiful move. Um, really the big, so we had an Ascension funnel, you know, the typical Ascension funnel go up, you know, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. And then um, I remember being in a consultation with his name, Todd Brown. I'm just got to be people I would guess are familiar with Todd Brown. I don't I'm know. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Okay. So I got into a consultation, a free consult after I bought a little ebook of some sort, yeah. which was their lead magnet. And I'm like, oh, heck yeah. You know, I didn't know anything about Todd Brown or anything. And someone had just said, hey, check out this book funnel. That's not that. Okay, yeah, I'll check it out. And um, he says, you know, why don't we had a 3K offer at that time? He says, have you thought about taking that front end? Mm-hmm. I'm like, um, actually, no, because I had a, a warm list that I, I marketed to. We lived off of for about eight years. It was 
from that book. We had about 400,000 people. Yeah. But anyways, so I'm like, yeah, why don't I do that? So that was October of 2019. And it took me about five months to finally get it to convert. And so we've had that funnel for three years. So it's a, now it's a 6,800 price wow. point. And um, now the heavy of it, so I love marketing. The heavy of it was the sales team. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and where your sales conversions depends all on your ability to manage a team of people. And Absolutely. that has been one massive humdinger. And uh, we Let's keep- talk about it. <laughs> oh man, I just got off with the gal I'm now training up to be the setter manager. Okay. So I'm a systems person. So I thought, because okay, we, we were doing the closer, I had to do both steps. So it was a two step. Mm -hmm. And, and then we're like, Oh, you know what? Let's try the setter system, which we had tried. We're always testing. Yeah. And we outsourced for someone else to do the setting. We're like, that just doesn't work. Because mm -hmm. we move really, really fast. And we're testing, we need the feedback. And oh, when you got this outsource thing going on, just bogs down the communication. I you agree. Know? 100%. Yeah. So it was very painful. So then it was like, okay, then we did a test with one of our Filipino VAs mm -hmm. where um, we tested with him doing the sets. And then my co-manager, he did 15 sales. And I'm like, you know, so many with Michael, the Filipino, which is not like what the quality of an American, because an American right. just has, you know, and I'm like, dang, we're on to something here. So then it's like, let's shift. Cause I said, okay, so theory would be the setters will keep the closers calendar full yeah. instead of the closer having to do both roles. Mm -hmm. So this is all since of June of 2022. And I just uh, marvel at, I like marketing cause it's AB split testing and you can go tweak a headliner, whatever. Oh, and sales. Oh my gosh. You've got personalities. I mean, personalities are uh, definitely a wrench in the system, but at, oh, at the end man. of the day, there's an average in there, right? There so is. You can still split test. Yeah. And it's hard. And I hear you. And we're not as finessed in it. So we're about, so the sales team we've had, well, we were doing it internal for years. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just three of us. And, you know, we just, it was easy. But now we're trying to build a team for scale. Right. And um, so it requires um, really world-class management mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of testing. So they have to do their projections and their uh, stats every day. They have to do an end of day report and then the daily meetup and, you know, this whole cadence of habituating them into these success drivers that. Which is incredibly incredibly important for salespeople. They need that structure and cadence. as much as they complain about it, they need it. <laughs> and they need someone who will tap tap. Yeah. Uh Oh, EOD isn't done. You know, everything you can't assume that because they're doing it this week, they're going to continue the next week. Oh no. Right. So it's that whole thing of governance of what are the governance? Like you can set up systems unless you have governance, meaning an eye on the execution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we have a VA assigned. One of her job duties is to, hey, don't forget your end of day report, right. <laughs> you know. And uh, so, anyways, last month we did have our best month ever. So it was like, okay. And I'm huge about having systems. So it's like, 
I, I, sh- I shifted into sales almost full time while running the entire company and doing marketing. And mm-hmm. It's a humdinger. But all I thought is I will design the system and then I'll train someone else to take over the system for me because exactly. I'm so not staying here. <laughs> so I'm not staying here. I, it might I'd be stressing be on... you out a little bit. <laughs> What's that? It might be stressing you out a little bit. Oh, oh man. It's just, and you really have to know your people and their temperaments and wow, what's going on in their life now? Looks like probably going to have a chit chat. So we yeah. now do these uh, war meetings every week, weekly action review, one-on-one. Nice. And I'm and I have a everything's a system. So when I have my weekly war meetings, I want to know, you know, what's this, your schedule for the next week, thirty mm-hmm. days? Because what I hate is, oh yeah, and so I'm going to be gone for ten days uh, <laughs> next week, and it's like what? How many how many people do you have right now? Um, setters, we have four with one guy who jumps in as needed when lead flow is booking it. And then closers, we have three full-time with our other guy who's like the glue and jumps in. So it's it's the whole finesse of making that calendar so, mm, it Mm. you know, there's no wasted time here, (laughs) you know. So what we did is we have them back-to-back right now. And so if one is running over, no problem. Mm -hmm. You should give us a shout-out and -and so-and-so will jump in, who's also like administrator manager. In other words... Just we want your calendar full. We want to be closing down. We want productivity. Mm-hmm. So we're probably nowhere near as advanced as you are because this is uh, more well with setters now. Mm-hmm. So it's two teams that have to be yeah. managed and everything in sync. So today was about we need to do more um, role playing and such. Absolutely. A lot, a lot more. Talking about language. I love yeah, role we, we kind of got spanked in the butt on that one. That uh, yeah, role playing every day, chop chop. And I was yeah. getting lazy on it. You just can't get lazy. Who told you that? Yeah. I'm uh, curious. You mean who we we do have a, a mentor? Is that what you want me to disclose? If I, yeah. I mean, uh, who I was just curious because that's that's one of my like, I stick to that philosophy that oh, your sales oh, people need well, role play every day. It's our client success manager. We're working right now at Cold Garden, Closers.io. Okay. And we had worked with two other teams previously. And it's just, yeah. and no, I'm Cole's, kind of. Cole's fantastic. Cole's fantastic. I, I follow all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, we're in the eight figure boardroom thing now. But he's just so ridiculously disciplined. It's just like, are you human? <laughs> you know? But it's really is the discipline, the morning routines and everything. Uh-huh. And you're just trying to create this really strong humming machine that you're just high level productivity. So, um, you know, yeah, it's a lot. I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit and then we can kind of back into the sales team again. But I think what it's done is there's, there's more information out there in the world. And that information is telling a lot of entrepreneurs like, Hey, it's as much about your morning routine, your mindset, your health, as it is about your talents in your business and your, your intellect. And yes. if you can, if you can dial in those things and become incredibly disciplined, then all of a sudden the intellect and the talent isn't as important. Now, somebody that has both, all right, now we're cooking with peanut oil, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I, I feel like over the last couple of years, I've been kind of exposed to a lot of that development mindset. Mm. And it really has closed the gap that I had before where I wasn't disciplined and yeah. um, I was working 20, 20, 30 hours a week making six figures, doing just fine, you know what I mean? But not really engaged in my work and passionate about it. And then I was exposed to 
a mastermind and then mm. it's been massive for me. You know what I mean? Wow. So going, yeah. kind of going back to the, the sales piece of it. So setter closer model is one of my favorite models because it is built for scale, right? You have the closers doing what they're great at 100% of the time. You have the setters doing what they're great at 100% right. of the time. Then you also have an opportunity structure. And I, I don't know if y'all have played with this or not. If you have maybe one of those BAs or a closer level type person, or they're bringing the best leads or they're setting the salespeople oh. up the best. Yeah. And so it, it creates an opportunity structure to where, okay, you're, you're setter today, but in six months, we may, if you hit these marks, if you hit these minimums, mm -hmm. then we can promote you to closer eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we don't have that structured out. I thought you, what you were going to was grade leading and mm -hmm. then giving the best lead. We're doing a test right now with that, but mm -hmm. no, I, we have not structured that out to be honest, but I, I hear what you're saying because my one gal took off like a rock star right away mm -hmm. as a setter. It's like, dang, straight out of the gate. But I have her as manager. I need her more as manager okay. than yeah. closer. Well, that's an opportunity she, structure. Is good. Yeah, know, yeah, that still would be the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and it's really cool because what we also integrated is the Colby test. Mm -hmm. is a personality, I'm probably not describing it correctly, but a personality profiling test of sorts, mm -hmm. as many yeah. out there. And in this case, what Colby has is where you have the person who is good at that position, take that mm -hmm. Colby test profile for that position. Right. Then as you're doing your interviewing, and we paid for this, we paid a chunk because that's a lost opportunity. When you have a mishire, it's very, mm -hmm. very costly for your business. So we're like, okay, this is October. So we did that profile. And then we had the people we were interviewing that we felt were the like two or three top best take that test. And so then, then it was like, okay, manager role. And I consider myself a pretty strong manager. So I took mm -hmm. the test. And then this gal, the one that I'm like, she's got the goods. I know she yeah. does. I can tell she scored really high matching the profile. Nice. So because there's, I'd rather invest on the front end to ensure I'm getting the Absolutely. right person. Yeah. Cause that training time, the onboarding, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Well, anyway, so then she's so good at everything. So it's like, okay, <laughs> she, she still maintains. You're going to have to send her this show. <laughs> She'll love it. <laughs> yeah. She was, I give her kudos a lot and she remains humble, but she huh? did double the sales. You put the two other guys together. She did more than that by one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we're throwing on all these new admin tasks. Dang, she's still crushing it. And okay. so she's very good at, she's just the perfect person for that. But we said, there's these three things. And which one do you like best? Which one mm -hmm. floats your boat the most? And she said, management. I love yes. it. Yes. Because that is a unique role that some mm -hmm. people will never be suited for and management. It's, it's not usually the top performing salesperson that's built for it either. So she is rare. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. She's rare. <laughs> yeah, she is very rare because now we have her helping with the group, Facebook group lead funnel, and she does uh -huh. all the analytical stuff. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. So she's kind of like everything, but mm -hmm. I can't burn her out either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the way you don't burn her out is give her good systems. You know what I mean? And to where when she's managing her setter, she's managing spreadsheets more than the setters, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. because she has a visual on all their performance and key metrics yeah. and indicators. 
Right. And she's able to, when she does have conversations with them, it's it's a very intentional conversation mm-hmm. that's going to include coaching on the back end. It's going to mm-hmm. get her people where they need to be. So, yeah. so many, so many sales managers aren't given the right tools. And so they're going mm-hmm. to their salesperson saying, Hey, what's going on here? Why are your numbers down? Yeah. They have no clue because they can't see a diagnostic report that can show them, okay, the conversion rates are falling off here, which means the entry level or the introduction is weak or mm-hmm. maybe their qualification isn't good enough or their presentation is weak or they're, mm-hmm. they're not asking for the sale, but you couldn't see that because the metrics weren't there. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things we do is break up the, uh, that, that prospecting and sales process into different metrics so that we can see mm-hmm. at which conversion points are they actually oh. falling off. Within so that, any given call, you mean in a discovery call, yeah. And you're doing metrics for each segment of the call even. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, we're and, not to that and level. And in the, in the sales process too. So when yeah. you're going from setter all the way to closer, closer to, where are the yeah. most customers? And that, that's where, when I do an audit, that's where I start. I start mm-hmm. wide and then I'm looking for, okay, where's the conversion rate that we can improve? Cause that's the mm-hmm. most immediate impact in the business and they yeah. can get an ROI on my consulting fee a lot faster. If I get right after that conversion rate, right. honestly, right. I go first. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, like the, the most critical KPI is, well, did you book the call? Right. And then, and I'm looking over the, the stats Close. yesterday. I'm like, well, this is for setters to get to the, mm-hmm. to book a call for the closers. Close. And I'm like, okay, Anna did 10. And you guys, and she had the least amount of dials, except for one guy at 19. She had 20. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you guys have two, two and three. Yeah. And Anna got 10. So what's Where's breaking the- apart here? disconnect yeah yeah so it you have to really look at the numbers mm-hmm. it, it is a gargantuan task compared to marketing funnels it's just cold stuff this is people but that you have to coach it, it really is a beautiful thing though because you're not saying let me just outsource this you know sales management you know yeah. what i mean you're in it you're in the thick of it oh, you know yeah. I mean? And you're and challenging you're yourself and you're growing. responsible for it too. You know, you could just stick to what you know, but you're, you're taking that leap, you know, and I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. So let's pivot a little bit here. And uh, I would love for you to educate my audience on e-commerce, right? Oh, I feel okay. like if there's any gap that my audience has, it's online sales mm-hmm. in general, right? Oh, it's, really? a, it's, okay. a lot, it's a lot of what we teach in, or not what we teach, what we learn in our mastermind. So a lot of the reason why I have this podcast is because I'm branding myself, building my authority. But when it comes to actual product sales online, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you teach the three pillars of e-commerce. What are mm-hmm. those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'll just say relative to, so I used to teach sales funnels, how to build those. And it's, it's a very, very high level skill set. It's not easily learned. I mean, anyone can put together a sales funnel, but is it converting? That's at the end of the day. Is it converting? And so the difference with shifting in Amazon is they are the sales funnel. Right. So what I talk about in our three pillars of e-commerce success, which is like one of our biggest pillar content pieces is number one of that pillar of success is you got to generate cash flow. So you're looking for a business model that you can jumpstart pretty quickly to get the cash flow going. Because even within the scope of different options on Amazon, you could start with the arbitrage method or you could start with private label. Well, with private label, it might take eight or nine months before you even get your product ready Mm -hmm. to ship into Amazon. So you've got this long play. 
And so it really depends on how deep a person's pockets are or what their experience is. But for beginners, we start them out at arbitrage because it's so fast. I have a gal who did five grand in her first month doing arbitrage. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. And so the easiest is when you use your phone and you download the Amazon seller app, which was created by Amazon, Mm -hmm. and you scan products in their UPC code, like this product right here, you scan it, and it's going to pull up if it's on the Amazon catalog exactly the numbers and all you have to put in is the store number what you would be paying for and it's going to show the profitability how many sellers mm-hmm. what the sales velocity is etc it's such a fast fast way to start so rather than someone building a digital online marketing funnel with their ebook and you know right. we already brought quite a bit to the table when we first you know built our funnel and whatnot Anyway, so generate cash flow is pillar number one. Pillar number two is to automate systems. And you automate systems so that you can free up your time and scale up your business. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge believer in, um, you know, having everything imaginable. Zapier, for example, you, you yeah. love spreadsheets. We do too. I love yeah. spreadsheets. But most everything is getting zapped. There's hardly mm-hmm. anything that's manual. No, thank you. I don't want to have to pay a VA to put in all this stuff. I can just look right. at my leads coming in and everything's been zapped and we've got a grading system. And so anyways, uh, so automating systems, you have to enter into a business with that in mind. I feel if you have the intent to grow and scale. And then lastly is to look at that business model and, and do you have the capacity to build assets through that so that you can either sell or pass on to your children. So to recap, the three pillars are generate cash flow automate systems and build assets are the three pillars of e-commerce success, which basically applies. You could take that to any any business, business, anything at all. So that's what I tell people to look for. I I love that. I don't think enough business owners start with the end in mind. I don't think they start with the idea of, Hey, I'm going to sell this business someday. And Mm -hmm. here's the deal. They may never sell the business, but a business that is sellable is a profitable well-run business. Well-run. So if you're always pushing to be sellable, then you're going to have a great business on your hands. Yeah. And really no one wants to, well, I shouldn't say no one, but a good investor is going to look for a business that has replicatable, you know, there's processes and systems in place and people that run them. That's the beauty of the franchise model. As they say, you know, it's already been created. You step in, etc. Here's how you hire people. Here's how you do this, how you fry the French fries. You know, it's all laid out. So that's what we teach our people because all too often they would get down the lane and they get uh, hit a wall. And so, cause we're always studying, how can we improve the experience for our members? Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, they're not coming in with the right mindset from day one, which is to grow a business with systems and processes and people that will be running them for you. Obviously you move down at whatever speed, you know, it's not done overnight. Right. Um, but at least then you're circumventing this notion that it all depends on you. Mm-hmm. And that's taking them from employee to entrepreneur. I mean, yes, it is. that's a whole nother journey. You, you're yes. not just doing, you're not just teaching them how to run the business. You're, you're coaching them too. You're coaching them on mindset, the entrepreneur oh, mindset. That's the biggest part. And I always tell them, I say, it's all up here is the bit, the most important predicator of your success. So when you see Susie taking up, Susie had something clicked. Yeah. Yeah. She had the right mindset and some, they got a long, 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 long ways to go for their Mm -hmm. mindset because they really don't know what a business, 
what it means. It's all a foreign land to them and they have no idea of what it means to own a business. But we do study our audience and we take note of who has a propensity to do better and our medical people, mm -hmm. they do really well. Part of it is, uh, you know, obviously the more pain driven and motivated they are typically in life, um, the more they're going to work at. And they, so they are leaving a pace of place of pain, similar to your yeah. wife going, there's a lot of transitions going on in the world right now. Absolutely. Ton of them. No, and it's, so, yeah. it's amazing. And, you know, a, a lot of people like, like to make fun of the fact that everybody's an entrepreneur now, you know what I mean? But it's like, that's a beautiful thing. You know, we're taking our world back a little bit by doing mm -hmm. that, you know? So I'm excited for it. Okay. So I got to be honest from an investor standpoint, um, because, you know, I am surrounded by other investors and then, you know, people that have been investing for 30 years, they don't work anymore. They just invest. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, Amazon automation is one of those mm -hmm. trigger points that a lot of people hear and they think mm -hmm. scam right away. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, I'm, I'm very curious from a marketing standpoint, how do you market against that? Or is it even something that's happening? Because maybe it's just yeah. because I'm in those circles, I'm hearing that. And it's just my sphere of influence, but maybe. A, I love it. it. It's a great, great question. Um, my leading angle is that about automation. Okay. Uh, that being said, and, and we are going to start toning that back somewhat, but it's mostly to say, this, you can build it to be scalable. Okay, now to speak to the investors, be forewarned, there are some significant uh, issues in mm -hmm. the e-commerce training space with the DFY, okay? And I just listened to a call review of one of our setters today mm -hmm. where this couple, truck drivers, nope, we don't wanna, you know, we don't wanna touch anything. And we heard automation and so, uh, there can be misperceptions about that, which is right. kind of a separate conversation. But the main point is this, I would say buyer beware for any mm -hmm. DFY done for exactly. you, because I get it. There's investors who are like, if I could, I've got money to invest, but I don't want to have to learn this whole thing. Right. And not just someone pay someone to build it for me. So we don't do that. We are the e-commerce business school. So I'm in I more about that. empowering and educating people. So I don't have the business model doing the done for you, but here's okay. what is going on in the industry. It is so rife with, with straight up ripoffs. Uh -huh. I hate to say it because I've been here 18 years. It just makes me yeah. sick, but it looks like this. They'll start around 40 K and I've heard the recent one is 65 K and they're now being taken to the FTC. Mm -hmm. um, so they get these big, large, large wads of cash from a would be buyer and they're gone. And I hear so many stories of this. And I had a friend from in the industry. She came to me and we put down 30K. He was supposed to do it for us. We did this. We spent this, 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 you know, all this stuff to get it going. And the guy gone. So it's very alluring. It's like the sirens from, you know, from right. mythology. That it sounds so alluring, but I'll tell you what, the, you won't own the assets, number one. Mm -hmm. and that typical done for you. You better read over that agreement really thoroughly because um, you will not own your Amazon store. Mm -hmm. They'll control the profit distribution per what they say, but what do you really know? And are they going to disclose all the, you know, I, I, I've only heard one good story that came in through us and she said, it's working for me. And the problem is I don't know the first thing of what's going on inside my business. Yeah. Ouch. 
That's me personally, thought. my personality isn't bent towards that, but I get it mm -hmm. from an, an investor. If they find someone who can do it, good on you, but they're hard to find. The trust level has to be over the top and they're buying from perfect strangers right? and they're getting ripped off from 30 to 65K. And perfect strangers that are really good marketers. That's <laughs> the they key. Build, they build you really good it. funnels. Yeah. See, Doug, that is the key. And I'll tell them, there's a lot of really good marketers out there and they hang their shingle on the XYZ and the XYZ. But where most of them fail in operations yeah. in the in online space, because they studied all the marketing, they got into click funnels and the do 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 and the this and the that. And then, and then the great, they create this great alluring copy, but yeah. can they deliver the goods? And I got to tell you, I've worked with quite a few people where I thought I might be partnering up with them. And then they end yeah. up on a, a, a shallow, what do you call it? A hollow shell. Yeah. They can't even manage a team. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're like, Anna, I just had two people quit on me. And then they're sending them to me to train their yeah. people. And it's just like, so most, all too often in this space, they're poor operators and mm -hmm. they don't know how to manage a team, but they know how to market yeah. and they rip off a lot of people. And, and like you said, a lot of these principles are universal, right? So in sales, it's the salesperson that, you know, breaks records and tears it up and then thinks, oh, I'm just going to start my own thing. Mm -hmm. And then, <laughs> then it gets really bad, right? And so then they realize, oh, that's what that business owner was doing this whole time. Exactly. How was I still getting paid those big bonuses? I, I don't understand it. Well, the business owner didn't take a paycheck that week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bonus. Yeah. Fulfillment payment wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it, it gets real, real fast when, when you go through that. But no, thank you for explaining that to us. I mean, it's pretty simple. DFY, buyer beware. That's, mm -hmm. that's the thing that you need to listen for when you mm -hmm. get get a proposal for Amazon automation investment. Yeah. And uh, now that I think about it, there, there is a few people in our groups that work in the Amazon space and mm -hmm. none of their stuff is DF DFY, which uh -huh. makes sense why they're still in the groups. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's heavy duty to do it done for you and the promises that you're going to make and keep. Now I can keep my promises of what we can deliver for training right. and mentoring and our processes and systems that are proven. But a DFY and you know, you know, for fact, those things are going to convert. You really do. Typically takes a lot of testing. You know, um, it's funny you say that because it, it makes so much sense in consulting. A lot of people approach me. They want to guarantee on results. And it's oh. like you're operating a business that mm -hmm. I'm not going to be in after this 90 days. And you want mm -hmm. results in six months or results in a year. And it's like you could get pissed off one day and fire your sales manager. And then you got to retrain someone brand new on the sales program. I just built for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's going to take another three months, you know, like there's no way I can give you uh, any kind of a guarantee. And that's and my first red flag is I don't want to work with that client. hundred percent. I'm the same way. And I'll say, Nope, I can't guarantee your results. Cause I don't even know you. I don't know your work ethic. I don't yeah. know your mindset. I don't know if you're going to show up in the morning, roll up your sleeves and get to work. And so you want me to guarantee your results? Mm -hmm. No way. I, I don't know. Will you have to knock on the door to get you off the couch? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, I, I can guarantee you what I deliver, but I can't guarantee what you'll do with what I deliver. Absolutely. But I 100% agree. And those are these fear leading people that then want to blame you for their failure. Mm -hmm. like, nope. Because that's it. They're just looking for their excuse card in advance. Right. 100%. So, yeah. Okay. So second to last question here, and you can kind of walk me through it. 
uh, and this is on the education side of your business. Walk me through the profit projection calculator. How does that work? Oh, yeah. So the now that is specifically made for arbitrage sellers. So okay. there's, again, all these different sourcing methods, wholesale, private label, liquidation, print-on-demand, et cetera. But also often um, people say, well, what do I need to invest? So speaking of investment, that's what they invest to into products. Mm-hmm. They want to know up front. It's a really legitimate question. What do I need to invest in order to reach this income? So we put together this profit projection calculator. It's basically we turn it into, into an app, but there's a training that goes with it. You always have to cut and cut, you know, yeah. cover it with education. You don't just give it and they're just playing with this thing, not knowing what's going on. Right. Because in the education, in the video, we show them where, how you can lower the cost of shipping through Amazon. How do you increase your profitability? So in other words, you start with this baseline performance but through what we teach, here's how we can optimize decreasing your cost of goods, thereby increasing your profit margins. How do you, you know, so it's a multivariant situation. So it's not like carte blanche. Well, if you put in 5K, you're going to get this. Right. And you know, it doesn't that's work the DFY that way. stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're going to talk real world. And so anyways, we do a monthly workshop and in their web class and in there, we train on that as part of it because they genuinely want to know because they're trying to reverse engineer. Well, yeah. I want to replace my full-time job doing X, Y, Z. I need seven grand a month. How much product do I need to invest in to get seven uh, K a month? Mm-hmm. Very legitimate question. That's why we created the app. Oh, that's fantastic. And we'll include a link to that in the yeah. show notes as well. I think you provided us with everything we need for that. So obviously, you know, just outside looking in, you're going to leave an amazing, amazing legacy of entrepreneurship and, and, um, to your kids. Right. But Mm -hmm. what, you know, when it comes to intentional legacy, what legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, already. So again, hearkening back to my dad Mm -hmm. is I feel that my personal calling, uh, where I've landed in my life is to create as many entrepreneurs, successful home base, family sourcing, Um, you know, strengthening the family economy, because that is going back to the originations of our country, that the majority of the citizens were business owners. And you're like, they were? Yeah, farmers, farmers. And so I believe that the strength of a nation is more when you have people who take ownership of their outcomes, uh, rather than just, I mean, we became an industrial, industrialized nation in the early you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. And that was a time of going into the factories and turning school systems into factories, which I'm very adverse to. That's what Mm -hmm. they are. They're factories. And they train you. My dad always said schools are nothing but to train you to be obedient. They're not to make you creative. My dad's a physicist. He has a PhD in physics. And yet that's what he was categorizing as the school. It's to train you to be obedient and not a whole lot more. I'm like, wow. In other words, when the bell rings, what do you do? You line up. Anyways, and for entrepreneurship, you've got to be able, you don't, you shouldn't be in a place where you have to be told to line up. You line up on yourself. I line up to show up. You know what I mean? And so my passion is about the family because so goes the family, so goes the nation as well. And so the more I can economically empower each family, then they can better self-actualize in life, in their families their dream for their family, the legacy for their family. And they all have it to whatever extent 
Now it's to bring it out and say, you can have it. It can happen. It can happen within your family. So I'm not interested in just helping people make money. Right. It's what it will do for their lives transformationally. And especially as they do it within the ecosystem of their family. And impacting the nation. Hundred percent. I mean, you ask them what they want to do. I want to give to this charity. I want to be able to, I want to do this. I want to do that. But they're all locked down in this job with a ceiling that doesn't allow them this dream of, okay, one gal I just spoke with, it's her, her dad is 62, he has COPD, he's got health issues and he's doing, um, what's DoorDash. Mm-hmm. And he's just wrapped oh, rheumatoid arthritis on yeah. top of it. She said, Ann, I want to get him out of that. I want, he, he's really smart and he could do this business with me. Fantastic. I said, first on the list here. So let me just show you. This goes out in the mail to my members. I said, you're going to have one of these shipped out to you. Goal number one, get your dad off a DoorDash. Okay. Goal number two, she wants her son and her nephew are each age 13 working in her business. Awesome. You want to get out of your job. Awesome. And then you put this here and you rally your family around these goals. You got to give them something to shoot for. Everything in life is about hitting the target. And then you go to the next target and the next target. And every way along the way, you're celebrating each target that you met. And I got to tell you something. What you just showed me, I mean, I've consulted sales orgs with a thousand plus people. I've had, you know, my own sales teams with a hundred plus people. And I've been around a lot of amazing sales leaders and they fail to do what you just did every time, which Mm -hmm. is create a working visual for individuals to hit their goals. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the comma club and the, the, uh, we, we, we call it OG club, which is uh, 2000 a week. Oh yeah. Because that that's where you get to six figures. Right. Yeah. And so that's something Mm. that we've really pushed a lot, but you're just getting into the sales and sales management piece and, and owning the sales team. And you've already got a visual like that. You're, you're going to be fantastic. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Thank you. We actually shipped that out to our Amazon sellers, but Uh I was doing a one-on-one with one of our closers. And I said, I need to get this shipped out to you because I found out what her goals are. And I said, my job is to help you hit that goal. And it's a big one. And it was heart wrenching. She was in tears about it. And I said, that's what we're going to knock down. And I want to know the day that happens, how you're going to celebrate that. Cause I want to celebrate it with you. Hell yeah. And then when they write down that goal, it gets stored in their subconscious and they see that on the sheet every day. It's over just a matter of yeah. time. I'll tell you where it came from. It was one of my Amazon coaches and she said, yeah, and what I did is I created this little poster. I put it on the wall and she described it and her little daughter who was like six at the time. Mommy, mommy, what, what happens when we hit that hundred K? I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to create a poster like that. Disney World. <laughs> and they, that's what she's done with them, actually. She's, she's awesome. With, she said, we don't buy stuff. We create memories through trips. Yes. That's her thing in her family. But I'm like, okay, team. I, and so my son probably created that graphic. I don't remember. but mm-hmm. And now it gets shipped out to every member. But the sales team, yeah, they need it just as much. Because her that's goals were kind of like, this is exactly what our members talk about. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show Anne, and sharing your, your plan for your legacy with us and your insight into online sales and marketing and the family dynamic behind Mm. 
owning your own business and how you can incorporate them in it. That's, that's going to be fantastic for our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. All right, let's get building. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.